Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm continuing our teaching series, Finding Joy. And I called today's teaching, Joy Spreaders. Joy Spreaders. Because God not only wants us to find it, He wants us to be in a position to give it away to other people as well. And before I get into it, or as I get into it, off the bat, I want to read a couple of verses to you from Luke's Gospel and chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, now I know a few of you sitting on your sofa at home or just glanced at each other and you thought he finally lost it. Now, I, I totally get that. He's preaching about Christmas. Okay, so let me make this official declaration so everybody knows. As far as I am concerned, and I'd like our whole church to acknowledge this, Today is Christmas. Next Sunday, we will have our end-of-year celebration Sunday. And then we're going to go directly into 2021 because we're done with this one. Okay, so that's the plan. Hey, I'm only kidding because God isn't done with 2020 by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, we've got to just look forward to and plan and prepare and anticipate what God's going to do in the four months we still have ahead of us in this year. Because the reality is, through all the trials and tests of this year, God has still been doing some absolutely amazing stuff. Incredible stuff. I read a report the other week that in the UK, that uh, something like 50% of people between the age of 16 and 25 have started connected with online church. 50%. In a nation that is nothing like a Christian nation or as strong a Christian presence as we've got, 50% in the course of the, what's been going on have started tuning into some kind of service. God's not finished with this year yet, so we won't get rid of it. But what I want to do is this. You know, you know the phrase that says the purest water is always at the source? You know, it's kind of, if you climb right up the mountain to where the spring is, when it comes out of the ground, it's going to be freshest because it's going to collect gunk on the way down. So the purest water is at the source. So if we really want to remind ourselves sometimes of, you know, what the coming of Jesus was all about, we need to go to the source. And that's why I'm starting out in Luke's Gospel chapter 2 today. What did the angels say this was all about? And there were three things. They said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. There is good news, and it will cause great joy. What was the coming of Jesus meant to be all about? I'll summarize it in three phrases. Don't be afraid. There's good news. It'll cause great joy. Don't be afraid. Good news, great joy. Don't be afraid. Good news, great joy. This is not a complicated sermon this morning. You'll be glad to know. Don't be afraid. Good news, great joy. That was what Jesus' coming was all about. 
When I first came to the United States, it was April of 1984. I was preaching in Virginia Beach, and then I'd come up to Delaware to spend some time with a friend of mine from Bible College days who was pastoring there. And then the day I was leaving, we left early in the morning, we went over to D.C., and we did the touristy thing around D.C., and I went to Dulles Airport and flew back to the U.K. from Dulles. Now, I'm kind of schizophrenic. I've got these dual personalities. There's a lot of the time where I'm totally content, love being with people, in the middle of people, totally right there in the middle of everything. But there are other times when I just want to be me. Like, okay, leave me alone now. I don't know if any of you are like that. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm done now. I just, I just need to be by myself. So when I'm traveling, I'm not a socialite. Okay. My wife is, God bless her. I mean, she'll know the life history of the person who was sitting beside her within about 30 seconds getting on the plane. And they'll be striking up a relationship. And you'll think two old friends had met on the same plane by some coincidence. Me, when I sit on a plane, I'm good. I'm good. I got a book. I got me. Leave me alone. So I'm, I'm getting on this plane at Dulles Airport, right? And so, so I get on the plane. I go to board the plane. And there's, there's like, I'm on the side. There's three seats. And uh, I'm in the window seat. Gladly, the middle seat was empty. Cool. And this little old lady sits on the outside. And I think, that's really good. She's old. She'll sleep. It was an overnight flight. So I think, that's good. She'll sleep. She'll leave me alone. I'll sleep. So I sit down in the seat. I immediately get out my book. Now, you, I'm, I hope I don't lose anybody's respect through this, but that's the way I, I am. And as soon as I opened my book, she said, uh, are you going home? I said, yes. Oh, that's good. Where's home? Scotland. Oh, I've got a, and everybody's got a relative, right? Everybody's got relatives who came from Scotland. Like, so then she wants to know, you know, and then she goes in this whole rigmarole. Their name was, I wonder if you knew them. There are five and a half million people who live in Scotland. I never met your relative. I didn't say that. I just, that's how the whole night went. She never gave up. By the end of the flight, she knew nothing about me, but I knew her absolute life history, the whole lot. But you know something? When I got off the plane, it was like, that was cool. I was exhausted because I didn't sleep a wink on an overnight flight, but it was like, that was a good time. There is, there's a resource that helps a lot of people of my generation. It's called the Urban Dictionary. That's where you go when you have no clue what somebody just said to you, right? When they use words and phrases that you never were taught in your English classes in high school. And it's like, what does that mean? What did they say? Why did they say that? And, and the, the, the Urban Dictionary is a great resource. Do you know that joy spreader is in the Urban Dictionary? It's a real phrase. Joy spreader. And let me, let me just, I want to read to you the definition from the Urban Dictionary of joy spreader. Joy spreader is an individual met on trains who has an effortless disregard for all conventions of society. They will often engage in conversation with total strangers and with you. And their words may be sad, moving, joyous, outrageous, intelligent, 
but they're impossible to disagree with. You leave the encounter feeling as though you may have met Jesus. Wow. That, that's the Urban Dictionary definition of a joy spreader. Somebody who insists on talking to you or somebody who insists on interrupting you, whether you want them to or not. But in the end of the day, you feel like you might have met Jesus. Here's what God wants you and I to be. God wants you and I to be people who when people have been in our presence and in our company, whatever we've said, they feel they might have met Jesus. That brings me back to a Bible verse that I shared the opening Sunday of this series. It's in the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 13. And it's this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with his joy and his peace so that we then overflow. God wants you and I to be joy spreaders. God does not want us to be living with a survival mentality. God wants us to be in the position where we are so thriving that actually we spread joy to those around us. God never intended me to be standing here on a Sunday morning to be a political advisor or to be a social commentator. My role is not to pontificate about obscure end times predictions or to maintain some long irrelevant religious traditions. I'm a messenger, just like the angel was in Luke 2. And everyone who's part of our church family, everybody who belongs to Jesus is intended to be a messenger. And we've got to be careful the message doesn't get muffled and doesn't get lost. What is the message? I told you. Luke 2 and verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. What is the message God wants us to be share, to share? What is the message that we must be sure doesn't get clouded? It's real simple. Fear not. There's good news that'll bring you great joy. Don't be afraid. There is good news that'll bring great joy. Don't be afraid. Good news, great joy. That's the message. And you know what? We need to repeat that message over and over and over and over again because very few people are actually getting that good news out to the people that need to hear it. So many people have got sucked into the whole area of being political pundits and social activists. And don't get me wrong, there's a room for all that stuff, but I don't have to do it because millions of others are doing it. What I need to do is what few others are doing and say, don't be afraid. There's good news that'll bring you great joy. That's what the church is for. That's what the church is about. That's the message the world needs to hear. And if they don't hear it from us, who are they going to hear it from? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's interesting that the angels came to the shepherds first up because um, the shepherds, you know, sh shepherds were a, a kind of a, a breed apart. They were quite different. 
Um, socially, they weren't good mixers because they spent most of their time seriously in fields with sheep. Um, when they did venture into some place where they mingled with other people, they were a little bit awkward and they smelled. They were looked upon as kind of the outcasts of society. And then the religious people looked down on them because they didn't go to church on Sundays or the equivalent because they were looking after their sheep. They never went up to the temple in Jerusalem for any of the big holy days and special celebrations. They couldn't. I mean, you can. We've got two dogs. And uh, one of the wonderful things is, you know, when you've got dogs, it's kind of, when you think about a dog, you think about who will look after it when I'm away, right? So, so we've got two dogs, but we've got a wonderful setup with a lady who's a friend of ours, and she loves dogs, and she loves our dogs, and our dogs love her. So it's fantastic. So, so I'll call her up, say, we're going to be away these days, any chance you can look after the dogs? Love to. Go down to her house. Our dogs race out of the car to get into her house, and they love it. I think she spoils them a bit. But imagine one day I call her up and say, hey, Carol, I need to go to Jerusalem. Can you look after my 500 sheep for a week? She's a wonderful lady, but that may not work so well. The shepherds never went to any religious ceremonies. They didn't even get to the regular services because they were doing what shepherds do. But they were looked down on. They were despised. And you know what? If, you, if, you are, if people put you down long enough, there's a couple of things that happen. One is you begin to get resentful of them and sometimes of what they stand for. And the second thing is you begin to feel inferior and self-doubt takes over. So, so here were these people who probably resented religious people because of the way they treated them. Here were these people who had kind of been told for long enough they weren't the same or as good as anybody else, so they just got on with their lives. And, and then suddenly one night they're minding their sheep and minding their own business uh, and the whole of the sky is filled with a load of angels. And if you, if you notice, if you look through the Bible, you'll find most times when there was an angelic appearance, they said, don't be afraid. I mean, what a stupid statement. <laughs> right? I mean, really. It's like, I'm out here in the middle of the night, there's a whole thing with angels up there. Don't be scared. Too late. I am terrified already. But the first job of the angels was to put them at ease. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So these people who've been told they were nobody all their lives, told they weren't religious enough or good enough, they suddenly found out they were good enough to God. In fact, they were special to God. And I just want to remind you this Sunday morning, if you're in a position, and, and it hurts me to have to say this, but where religious people have put you down, and the way they've spoken to you, about you, or have treated you has made you feel inferior. I am deeply sorry that you experienced that. But I want to tell you this. You're special to God, and you matter to God. And they really don't know what it's all about. You matter to God. 
the first thing the angel announced to mankind was, you don't have to be afraid of God. That is amazing. That is amazing. You don't have to be afraid of God. The angel's message really told them, you know, you are wanted by God and you are welcomed by God. And that message hasn't changed. And what God wants you and I to be is messengers who share the same news. You are welcomed by God. You are wanted by God. You are valued to God. And, and here's, here's, here's something. If I don't need to be afraid of God, is there anything I really should be afraid of? Now, don't go stupid. I know, electricity. Yeah, fine, I got that. But I'm, I, I'm not talking about that. I mean, I mean, like, you know, if I don't need to be afraid of God, if God is on my side, is there anything that I need to be anxious about? Maybe the words of Philippians 4 and verse 6 are right after all. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Fear takes away our joy. It affects our decision-making. It limits our interest or our vision. It portrays a bleak future that is void of hope. That is what fear will do. And wherever perhaps you today watching are, are struggling and fear's got a grip on you, wherever that might be, whatever part of your life it might be affecting you in, I just want to remind you of what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The very first statement that they accompanied the announcement of Jesus coming was, fear not. And, and the fantastic news that God's people have got for a world that desperately needs some comfort and consolation is that because of Christ, you do not to be, need to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side. God is with us. We matter to God. We do not need to be afraid. The first words of the message of hope was do not be afraid. And joy spreaders are people who convey that message to others. You don't need to be afraid. Fear not. There is good news. I just love that. That's what I share Sunday mornings. Week after week after week, I share good news. Fear not, there is good news. Did you ever read through a newspaper? I know that's old-fashioned. But did you ever go through a newspaper and think, you know, I'm still looking for the good news? You know, and even the Mets are stinking. Right? It's like you get to the sports page and it's still not encouraging. <laughs> the angel said, Jesus coming means this. 
there's good news. And I want to just remind every one of you today, there is good news. Wherever your life's at, whatever your personal circumstances are, whatever is plaguing you even at this time, there's good news. Fear not. There is good news. Luke 2, verse 10 and 11, looking back over that. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What's the good news? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news is a Savior has been born. That's the good news. Some of you will have heard me tell the story before that um, apparently when I was born, I was totally unexpected. Now, don't ask me. I've never gone into all the details. But um, my mother was a large lady most of her life, and I don't know. She was expecting and didn't know she was expecting. And then one morning she tells the story she was scrubbing the kitchen floor because she used to do that in those days. We didn't have swivers. And uh, so she was on her hands and knees scrubbing the kitchen floor and she had these pains, and she recognized them because she'd had children before. And they called an ambulance, and they took her off to the hospital, and I was born. What a wonderful surprise. And so, so, or something. So I was born, and, and just after I was born, apparently, I was, I was in some kind of whatever I was in, crib, cot thing, whatever, by her bed. The nurse came in and said, so what are you calling him? My mother said, I have no idea. We weren't expecting him. So the nurse looked at me and said, he's got really big feet. Okay. Now, they're 13s now, but they weren't back then. So she said, he's got really good feet. He's going to be a farmer. Now, apparently farmers have big feet. I don't know, okay? Okay. If, if you've got big feet, you should be a farmer, by the way, okay? So he's got big feet. He's going to be a farmer. You should call him Roger. So apparently f- farmers have got big feet and are called Roger. So, so they called me Roger because they hadn't thought about it. So that was it. I took James because that was my father's name and kind of the family name through the Blackmore side. But I'm Roger because I was destined to be a farmer with big feet. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Roger actually means famous spearman. Yeah, I didn't become one of those either. There aren't a lot of vacancies at the moment for famous spearmen, uh, but but that was that was kind of so. So Roger's a famous spearman. That was the that was the meaning of the name. Now in the Bible, name meanings are far more significant. So that's why the angel said when Jesus was going to be born, you've got to call him Jesus because the word Jesus means the one who saves. Now, it's not a unique name by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And there's Joshua's in the Bible, and and Joshua is a name that's out there. There are Jesuses, you know, there were Jesuses before Jesus, and there are Jesuses after Jesus. We know plenty of people go Jesus, Jesus, whichever, you know. There are plenty of them out there. But there was only one real Jesus. There was only one Jesus who matched the name. There was only one Jesus who lived up to the full meaning, the Savior. And the good news for you and me is there's a Savior. 
There is someone who came to save us from our sin, to save us from hopelessness, to save us from defeat, to save us from despair, to save us from death, and to save us from damnation. Jesus. Don't be afraid. There's good news. And the good news was that Jesus had come. 1 John 4 verse 15 says this, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son, the Savior, into the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. God sent his Son, the Savior, those who acknowledge him as their Savior, Christ as the Christ, as the Son of God. You know what? God comes to live within them, and they, are, they then become connected with and part of God's family. God didn't send us an educator to tell us what to do. He didn't send a philosopher to tell us how to think. He didn't send us a therapist to help us feel better in life. God sent us a Savior who paid the price to wipe our record clean and to give us the gift of eternal life. That, folks, is good news. Joy spreaders, let people know there's good news. What's the good news? The good news is a Savior has been born. And here's the second bit of what the angel said. He is the Messiah. Now, it's not so much about word meaning here. It's remembering the culture uh, of that particular time when the whole of the Jewish nation for generations and for centuries had longed for their Savior, whom they called the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. Jesus was asked several times, are you the Messiah? When he was a baby and uh, Mary and Joseph took him to be dedicated at the temple, uh, there was a man there who was the, the, the priest called Ananias. And as Ananias took uh, Jesus in his arms, he, he, here's what he said. He said, the hope of Israel is now come. And here's what he also said. He said to God, because he was like 597 years old, Ananias. Well, he was old. Uh, and, and here's what he said to God. He said, I can die in peace now because I've seen your salvation, the baby. The one they were looking for had come. We live in a lost world where people know they need something, but they don't know what they're looking for. And they'll look here and there. And they'll let life sap the energy and enthusiasm and joy out of them trying to find what is missing. And the angel announced at the birth of Jesus, the Savior, the one you've been looking for is here. Listen, the one you're looking for is here. He's called Jesus. He's called Jesus. You won't find what satisfies the inner thirsting of your heart anywhere else in this world can spend all your money on it. You can destroy your body pursuing it. But the reality is this. What you're looking for is Jesus. And that's the good news that we've got for you today. Joy spreaders, tell good news.
Joy spreaders say, fear not. Joy spreaders say, I've got good news. And joy spreaders say, I've got something that's going to really fill you with joy. The angel said, it will cause great joy for all the people. God wants you to live with great joy. Jesus came so that you would experience great joy. The angel said, it's for all the people. So what went wrong? What went wrong in our angry, divided, confused, embittered world? What went wrong? Matthew 9, 36 tells us this. It says, Jesus looked over the crowds and his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples but few workers. Why, why are people today confused, aimless, scattered like sheep without a shepherd? A huge harvest. But Jesus said, how few workers. Few people letting others know, hey, you don't need to be afraid. There is good news, and you can know great joy. Oh, there are plenty of people who will opine on every single subject under the sun. But the reality is this. You know, there are very few who will keep reminding others over and over and over and over again, fear not, good news, great joy. Some people might sometimes think that, you know, I've, I've got a very limited repertoire of sermons. No, I've got a very simple message. And today I'm summarizing it in that way. Fear not. Good news. Great joy. And we're going to repeat that message over and over and over again. I went into a diner a couple of weeks ago and um, I, I went in there at breakfast time. And when I went in, the, the, the host who uh, said, hey, Rog, what's new? I said, oh, how's life? He said, well, I said, you know what? If I wanted to take the time, I could probably grumble about several things. But the truth is, I'm here today, and I'm a blessed man, and I've got far more going for me than I could ever deserve. And the, one of the owners of the, of, of the diner was standing right behind him, and he said, that's right, Roger, God's got this, and God's got you. <laughs> he said, I watch you online, you know. <laughs> we need to be joy spreaders. Fear not. Good news that will bring great joy, bring great joy to you. But it's got to go beyond you. It needs to go to other people as well. So let me just wind up by, by mentioning, suggesting to you a couple of key things about, about how, we, how, we, how we can be joy spreaders. Number one, model joy for all the people. Model joy for others. Be that way. You can grumble about plenty today, and I'm not making light of any of the burdens you're carrying, but the fact is this. What if people were to hear the blessings that you enjoy in your life instead of the issues that are challenging you right now? What if you smiled? Now, I know that's very difficult to do, right? Because you put on these darn masks, and, and nobody can even... It's like, you don't know it, but I'm smiling right now. But I hear your eyes can smile. I don't know. But how about setting out at the beginning of each day this week? In fact, don't wait till Monday. It's only 10.30 in the morning yet. 
How about saying what I want to do today is I want to model joy for other people. See, whatever you got going on, because life isn't all about us, I want to model joy for other people. Acts, Acts 4 verse 13 says this about some of the religious leaders who were quite opposed to what the disciples were preaching. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, these men had been with Jesus. What, what is it about these guys? They're certainly not the, you know, the smartest of the smart. What, what is it about them? They're uneducated. They're ordinary. Uh-oh, we know what it is. They were with Jesus. The Urban Dictionary says of joy spreaders, you leave the encounter feeling as though you may have met Jesus. My encouragement to you today is make today a day of being a joy spreader. Model joy. And the second thing I'm going to say is message joy for all the people. Message joy. Listen, Ecclesiastes 9 says, the quiet words of the wise are more effective than the ranting of a king of fools. Okay, now I'm, now I'm really going to, I'm really going to risk ticking some people off, but that has happened once or twice before in all my years of ministry, so I'll risk it. What if all your social media posts this week conveyed, fear not, good news, great joy. Fear not, good news, great joy. Nobody needs to hear my comments on what's happening in the political realm. There are a million people out there giving their opinions. They don't need mine. You know what people aren't saying? Fear not, there's great news to bring you great joy. Good news, great joy. Fear not, good news, great joy. Fear not, good There are many people out there saying that. People don't necessarily need to know all of my opinions on, on any of the social issues of the day. There are plenty of people out there giving their opinions, and quite honestly, no one ever changed a single one of my opinions by their Facebook post. What if this week we made it our mission to message joy? Fear not. Good news. Great joy. There are millions of people out there arguing political and social causes. Do you ever read stuff on the internet and like, I'm going to reply to that, right? Do you get that? You know, you know that, is, that is not the time to type a reply. It's a time to turn it off. Because it's so easy to get sucked in. When you, in your gut, start feeling angry about stuff. Now, I know there are some of you going to say, hey, what about all the social reformers of the past? They got angry. They got this. I'm talking about the United States of America in 2020. It's a sad place. And it's so easy to get sucked into the way our world is right now. When what we are called to do is to be joy spreaders. Keep saying, keep telling people, keep saying stuff, keep writing stuff that sends the message, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. There's good news, there's good news, there's good news. Great joy, great joy, great joy. That's what the coming of Jesus was all about. 
Sometimes I really feel it's important for us to take stock. And those of us who've been Christians for some time, we've been Christians for a very short period of time. But to look back and say, how was it at the beginning? At the beginning, it was dead simple. Here's what they talked about. Fear not, good news, great joy. Will you be a joy spreader this week? We ask God to help you. God, let me be your messenger to people who don't think they're anybody, to people who've been put down, to people who don't think there's any future or hope. Let me be your messenger. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you, you've put such incredible value on us. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus to be our Savior. And God, I pray you'd help us Lord, may, may, may we be people who overflow with joy. May we be people that others leave thinking they may just have met Jesus. God, where there is despair, let us bring hope. Where there is strife, let us bring peace. Where there is emptiness, let us bring purpose. Where there is pain, let us bring healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.